it's just scary and you want to be sure and you want to make sure that that person understands that you are a little bit wary about jumping in and, and being physical. What's really, really odd is you can be so intimate with somebody in terms of exposing who you are to them and not be physically intimate. That's kind of weird because of the, the time that we're living in. This is First Date Stories, the podcast, the show where women in their late 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond talk all about the first dates they've been on. From the wildly successful to the completely disastrous and everything in between. Here's your host, Jody Klein, founder of FirstDateStories.com. Hi there and welcome. Remember before the pandemic, when people typically exchanged a few texts, some emails, maybe talked on the phone a few times, and then they went on an in-person date? Well, for many people, that's the good old days, at least for now. Understandably, the quarantines, sheltering in place, the second wave for the third wave of COVID, it's all delayed and disrupted so much of our lives, including people going on in-person dates. But the upside of these delays is that more meaningful conversations are happening between people on dating apps in advance of their saying hello face-to-face than ever before. Jamie, who's my guest this episode, hadn't dated in a long time. She wondered if she was crazy to get back into dating again as the pandemic was intensifying. But she went for it. One of the many things she discovered is that there's a silver lining to having to hold off spending time with someone in person while you get to know each other from a distance instead. Here's Jamie's first date story. Welcome to the podcast, Jamie. I am so glad you've come on the show. I'm really happy to share my story. And I'm very much looking forward to hearing it. You're on the show to share a story about a date that you went on during the pandemic. Goodness knows the pandemic has affected all aspects of our lives and has really changed the way we date these days. So I know that you're going to have an interesting tale to share with me and our listeners. If you would, please share something about your backstory with us. I'm a 57-year-old single lesbian. I never know whether I should say that I'm divorced or not because I was never legally married, but I was in a long-term relationship and I do have two daughters, 19 years old and 16 years old. Um, I share custody of them. It just sounds odd saying sharing custody of teenagers, but yes, we do that. Um, And we're very good co-parents and I have gone through long periods where I've been single I uh, have a very fulfilling career and um, fairly labor-intensive job, so I do get uh, sidetracked by work and also spending time with my children. You mentioned that you uh, split up with an ex-partner. About how long ago did that happen? That was 10 years ago. It, It kind of happened quickly. I kind of knew it was going to happen, but when it happened, it happened quickly. So I found myself at um, 47 years old um, in a place where I didn't think I would be. Um, I I never wanted to be a single parent, and I was forced into doing that, and I didn't think that I would be alone at 47. Um, so it was a real detour in my life. That 
detour must have caused you to really look inward and figure out a lot about yourself at that point in your life since you hadn't expected to be in that place in your late 40s. Yeah, and I think that one of the things that I did discover is, first of all, how important my children are to me. I think, you know, we all know that if you have children, you know they're important, but it kind of, you put your priorities in order. And for me, it was about building my relationship with them more so than me looking for another relationship for myself. So I invested a lot of time with my children, helping them figure out who they were. And in turn, that helped me figure out who I was. Uh, And I really wanted to be at a place where it was okay if I was single. Like it wasn't, I I, I wasn't looking to, I I have to have somebody else in my life again. What I realized is it's okay to be by myself and it's important to establish those relationships with my, my girls. What an important revelation. I will share with you this story. Not that long ago, I said again, like, you know, I really wish I I had somebody to be with. And she just looked at me and she said, Mom, you have to go on dates first. And that's kind of (laughs) what pushed me into the direction I moved into. (laughs) I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. So your daughter is your dating coach. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're probably not alone in that at all. A lot of women probably have daughters who are playing that role of dating coach in one way or another. So she told you this. What did you do? I did what I had done sometimes in the past is I became active on Match. I actually bought a subscription instead of being uh, like a, a browser and, you know, decided I was going to be very open about who I was on my profile. And, um, I, you know, I shared pictures of things that were important to me, which included my daughters and my work and my dogs. Uh, <laughs> and for me, with my job, I will share what I do is I work for a public radio station. And I've been doing that for over 30 years, uh, different stations. And it's very, very important to me. You have to understand what public radio is and what NPR is. And if somebody doesn't get that, they're not going to get me. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I I feel like I've dedicated, you know, over 30 years of my life to this. And I want um, I want to be dating somebody uh, who understands that and appreciates it. We all have our list and NPR being important to you helped you figure out who you want to go out with. That's One of the things I looked for, actually, some years back, one woman responded and she said, I listen to NPR and I'm a member of my local station. I'm like, you've got two gold stars. I'm definitely contacting you. (laughs) Did the two of you go out? Yeah, we went we were at uh, went out together for about two years, actually. Oh, wow. Okay, that criteria worked for you. Yes. Uh, So that was when you were on Match many years back. Now you've come back to Match.com. You said you did this a few months ago. Was this was during the early days of the pandemic, was it not? Yes, it was. And I'm thinking to myself, am I crazy for doing this? Uh, at this time. And part of me was like, it's not going to hurt to do it. <laughs> Could be deadly. Um, right. but, um, <laughs> it's, it's fine. Um, but also too, it's almost like a safety net 
because if you don't want to meet somebody, you can just fall back on the, well, you know, we're in a pandemic and I don't think I should be meeting new people. So, you know, it, it kind of was twofold for me. You know, I could dip my toe in the water and I could easily back out if I wanted to. Were you looking for certain things beyond your list, such as NPR? Were you looking for things in profiles um, that disclosed how the other women were feeling about protocols around social distancing and masking and the other things that are underway uh, during the COVID uh, pandemic? Well, first of all, you know, profiles can end up staying up there inactive for years, but still be available. So you may find out things about somebody that maybe is no longer true. There was not a lot of reference at that time to the pandemic. Oh, on the profiles. Right. I understand. Well, here it is. Uh, You've decided to go back on match. You are looking for uh, profiles and and women that uh, interest you. Uh, And you found one. Tell us a little bit about that, please. Well, she discovered me. In my profile, I mentioned that I enjoy laughing (laughs) and uh, just how important it is. And she made a comment about that. And then we started going back and forth. And I Uh, I quoted one of my favorite Charlie Chaplin sayings, which was, a day without laughter is a day wasted. So, you know, she kind of attached herself to that. You know, she already mentioned in her profile that she was listening to NPR, so that was good. Also, her political leanings were on the liberal side, which also was good. So we just started kind of texting back and forth through the app. And that went on for maybe... Maybe it was like two weeks. That was a while. Yeah. And she asked if she could call me. And she did. And the first time we talked, we talked for about an hour. And, you know, I discovered things about her I didn't know that were not really present in her profile. So that was that was good. are both two good Irish Catholic girls. Well, or maybe we were at some point in our lives. Um, (laughs) She's a year older than I am. Um, She grew up in the Boston area. You know, I grew up in the New York City area. So we both, you know, came from cities. We talked about our parents a bit and we both discovered our fathers are are very much alike or were very much alike, uh, which was very interesting. Put it this way, we first contacted each other in June. And it was six weeks later is when we actually met each other in person. Okay. So in between during those weeks, did beyond being on the phone, did you do any virtual con- conversing over FaceTime or Skype? No virtual conversing. I mean, I do enough Zooming for work, so <laughs> I was kind of Zoomed <laughs> out, you know. So, so really, it was just all talking on the phone or texting. I see. And what is the name of this woman who you met on Match? Uh, It's Barb. Was Barb the first woman that you connected with during this uh, return to Match? There was like one or two, but the conversation didn't seem to to go anywhere. So to actually have somebody who kind of engaged in conversation and who actually, you could tell she actually read my profile to pick up on certain things to question me about. So that was, you know, to me that that she showed an interest, which was great. 
Uh, and then, you know, vice versa, I was showing an interest in, in things about her as well. And you had already determined that you had uh, quite a few things in common from your background to uh, your passions and your interests. So that is a great starting point. How did the meeting in person planning come about? When it got to the point where it's like, let's meet in person, it was like, but we are in the middle of a pandemic. So, you know, we have to be careful and really be um, conscientious about what we're doing. So what I had suggested is that we go to, there was not far from where I live, an outdoor venue that had concerts and, and not very big, concerts and dining. And I'm like, you want to do this? Because I figured, well, it's outdoors, you know, and it's not going to be too crowded. And so she agreed. And that's where we met is we met at this outdoor venue. Did the two of you wear masks when you first met? Yes. Initially, yes. <laughs> okay. And then, yeah. well, first so, of all, let's, so let's talk about that. So did you suggest the masks? Did she suggest the masks? Was it just well, understood? It, it, it was understood. What happened is she got there before I did. And I saw her at the, um, she was at like this high top table. And it's very funny because the both of us are very short. So these, you know, to see us having to jump up to, you know, get a, get into the seat at the high top table. But from a distance, I saw her and, and it's like, I felt like I knew her because we had spent so much time getting to know each other prior to seeing each other in person. Fabulous. Now, I've got to ask, you saw her, you felt like you knew her, but did you see her the first time with a mask on? Yes. So even with a shield, essentially, (laughs) covering her nose and mouth, you recognized her and you felt like you knew her. Mm -hmm. Now, once I hopped up to the the seat... And they didn't have started... a booster there for you, did they? <laughs> no, it's quite embarrassing. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, we started talking. We had the masks on and and we just, you know, we just took them off because it's like you can't really converse. Now, we weren't up in each other's face, but, you know, there was a little bit of distance between us. But I find it very difficult. And it could be because of years of my job and being working with headphones on especially if I'm outdoors and there's a concert, it's very hard for me to hear. So it's much more helpful when someone doesn't have their mouth covered. That was part of it too. And the other thing is like, I think we just wanted to see each other. Well, that makes sense. It makes sense that after being behind uh, a phone that with the two of you together, you wanted to be as present as possible, but it came with a risk, right? Taking those masks off presented a risk. Yes. The thing is, too, is like we had talked prior about the pandemic and things. And at that time, my youngest daughter was living with me full time. And also, I am still very close with my ex-mother-in-law, who's in her late 70s. Um, So, I mean, there are people in my life that I care about that I want to make sure are protected. So, you know, we had conversations about that. And she also reassured me that she did keep her mask on. She um, owns her own business and she deals with clients and she, but she does keep her mask on when she's dealing with people. So making sure that her circle and my circle were both small to begin with. That makes sense. But you took a leap of faith in her and she took a leap of faith as well when it came to you, which 
felt right to you. Yes, it is a leap of faith and it's a chance. But, uh, you know, I felt like she's she's a smart woman. I'm relatively smart, um, you know, doing the right <laughs> things to make sure that I'm not exposing myself or others outside of my bubble. And it's just very interesting because I, I have a, a friend who is also using Match. I think the reason that I felt like it was okay for me to go on a date was because she had met up um, with some guy uh, for coffee. I was like, well, if you're doing it, then I'm doing it. So... <laughs> It was like that type of thing. And she's much more like freaked out about the pandemic than I am. So I was like, okay, I think I can do this. And, you know, and, and so I, got, I, I decided to get her blessing <laughs> before I actually went on the date. Tell me, when, she, when Barb took her mask off, how did you feel? What was your reaction to seeing her fully in person? Well, first of all, she has these incredible blue eyes. So... I think I was just so drawn to her eyes that taking off the mask, you know, I still I was still focused on her eyes. <laughs> but also there was there was this warmth and there was this familiarity as well. And I think, again, all of that had to do with the fact that we spent six weeks getting to know each other before jumping into going on a date. It's a long time. It's a very long time. And it's something that you wouldn't normally do. You know, you maybe send a couple of texts to somebody and, and then it's like, hey, let's meet for coffee. So, you know, this was much more measured. Take us through the rest of the date. The two of you pull off your masks and then <laughs> when, what happened next? Um, we just, I mean, there was a lot of talking, a lot of chatting as the venue was starting to close up and it's in an old brownfield that housed a steel plant. Um, and now it's, uh, kind of an, an arts campus. And I said, I said, are you ready to leave? And she's like, no, I don't want to leave this. I said, no, no, no. I mean, leave this table and we can walk around. <laughs> so we just walked around the, the campus for, uh, for a while. And then, you know, when we wrapped up, I walked her to her car. I must ask, did the two of you kiss goodbye? No, we did not kiss, but she like extended her arms to give me a hug, which I did. I did give her a hug. Fabulous. And as you left, went back home, how were you feeling about that? Your first pandemic first date? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I felt good. I felt positive. I smiled when I was walking away. So (laughs) I know, you know, that was a good thing. And I just started to think about when we could see each other again. You know, I was trying to figure that out. And how do you do that in a way, again, that is safe? Well, I then absolutely need to ask you what happened next with the two of you. Please take us through the rest of the story. Again, we continue to talk and text. And then now also, uh, mind you, she lives about like 50 miles from where I live. So there's, there's a, quite a distance. And what we, uh, what I suggested that we do is like, let's meet in the middle. I found this little vegetarian takeout restaurant and we met there. And then I said, you know, I found a park as well. And we took our food and we went to this park and I laid out a blanket and we had a little dinner picnic. Lovely. Um, and that again, we, it was very nice. And again, we're sitting next to each other, but it, there was no touching. Um, there was a hug good night, but that was it because it was just, it's just scary. And you want to be, 
sure. And you want to make make sure that that person understands that you are a little bit wary about jumping in and, and being physical. And it's just what's really, really odd is you can be so intimate with somebody in terms of exposing who you are to them and not be intimate, not be physically intimate. And it's that's kind of weird because of the, the time that we're living in. So then after uh, after the outdoor picnic, we went out and we did a an outdoor flea market. And after we were done with that, we were just sitting in the car talking and realizing how how much we've really gotten to know each other and how intimate we have been uh, about ourselves with each other, but not yet been physically intimate. And, you know, that was the reality of the pandemic. And, and, and we addressed that. It's such an odd dynamic that people are getting to know each other so well and yet not getting verbally and yet not getting to know each other physically often um, as early as they did before the pandemic. And that was the case with you and Barb. Yeah. And, and the thing is, too, what was interesting is that we were very open and upfront and talked about it as well. So we weren't ignoring kind of the direction that we were moving in, but also both, again, trying to be really conscientious about how we were approaching it. But, you know, you get to <laughs> you get to a point where it's like, how much longer do I want to do this? And do I want to make a change? Do I want to take that risk even further? Which I did. That means that your relationship is moving forward uh, on a great path. Yes. And actually, uh, what happened is probably uh, after that talk that we had, uh, after our flea market adventure, um, I, I, maybe it was like a week or so later, my daughter was not going to be at my house on a certain night. And I called her up and I'm like, do you want to come over and um, want, get some dinner and watch a movie? And I knew by me asking that, <laughs> I knew what, in, you know, inevitably was going to happen. And I think she did as well. But uh, I think what we spend so much time um, talking about it, making sure that in our lives outside of the time that we spent outside of each other, we were, um, you know, we were wearing masks, we were washing our hands. We, you know, we made sure that we didn't encounter too many people. So we were taking the right steps uh, that we decided to, um, I guess, extend our bubble (laughs) to include each other. Oh, what's happening with the two of you today? Things are really good. You know, it's not like we see each other every day, um, which is fine, actually. And I, you know, I prefer to be able to have my full life and my job and my children. And she has her job and her friends. But, you know, we're moving in the right direction and we're planning to go away together in a couple of weeks. So we're doing what uh, non-pandemic couples do (laughs) (laughs) And, and hoping for the best. Congratulations. I'm so happy for you and I'm so happy for Barb. I'm curious what advice you have for women who are dating during this precarious time. Look at it as a gift because you will spend much more time getting to know somebody 
um, instead of just jumping into a relationship with them. And um, you kind of, because you're forced to do so. So it, it is a gift. You, you really will get to know if this is something that you want to pursue. That's an incredibly positive way to look at a time that for so many people is far from positive. So thank you for sharing that perspective. Thank you for sharing your story. And thank you for being my guest on this episode. Thank you, Jody. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you like the show, we would love it if you'd go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. You can also subscribe there or wherever you are listening right now. This podcast is also at firstdatestories.com where you'll find articles written by incredibly talented dating experts on all sorts of topics that provide inspiration, guidance, and support to single, divorced, and widowed women who are dating in midlife. And you can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter. If you have your own memorable first date story to share, please don't keep it to yourself. We want to hear about it. Email us at hello at firstdatestories.com or go to the contact section of the website. Now for a quick run-through of the legalese. This podcast is for general information and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as professional advice for our listeners. We suggest that you always consult with your own personal coaches and advisors. First Date Stories does not recommend or endorse or object to the views or topics expressed on this podcast. Also, the names of the guests are changed for privacy purposes. This podcast is produced and edited by Kim Poletti and Lisa Gray of Soundline Productions and is brought to you by Espoir Ventures. First Date Stories is here to help you be your best self, cheer you on, and encourage you to keep showing up for first dates because beyond your next first date may be the lifelong love you are seeking.